You are tuned to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the BBC headlines, on the California Report, KVMR's own Brian Turhorst gives voice to Nevada County's frustration over ongoing power outages, and KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza talks to PG&E for an update. After regional news and weather, Felton Pruitt has a report on today's debut of the public comment period on the proposed reopening of the Idaho-Maryland mine. Mark Cunaberti consults his crystal ball about 2022's economic future. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. One of the most powerful labor advocates in the California legislature announced a surprise departure yesterday. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon has more. Democratic Assemblymember Lorena Gonzalez announced her abrupt resignation during the first hour of session in the new year. She's leaving the assembly to work with the California Labor Federation, which advocates for 1,200 unions across the state. The opportunity to serve in this capacity doesn't come up but every few decades. And as I think you all know, serving working Californians is my singular priority. Gonzalez has authored dozens of envelope-pushing labor laws, such as a requirement that companies reclassify most contract workers as employees, and a new law meant to crack down on Amazon warehouse quotas. The San Diego Democrat recently completed breast cancer treatment. She'll lead the Labor Federation in July when longtime chief Art Pulaski retires. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. And another farewell by an elected official. Central Valley Republican Congressman Devin Nunes has officially retired after nearly two decades in Congress. KQED Central Valley reporter Alex Hall has more on what's next for his district and the special election that will decide who serves out the remainder of Nunes's final term. Nunes submitted his official notice of retirement on Saturday, New Year's Day. The Honorable, the Speaker, House of Representatives. In a letter Madam, to Speaker Nancy like to Pelosi that was read aloud on the House floor Monday, Nunes wrote he had notified Governor Newsom of his resignation. It has been the honor of my life to represent the people of California's San Joaquin Valley for the last 19 years. Newsom has two weeks to call a special election in California's 22nd district. That hasn't happened yet, but so far, a handful of local politicians in the Central Valley have already said they either plan to or are considering a run for the seat. Nunes announced in early December he was leaving Congress for a job as head of President Trump's new media company. The Fresno County Registrar of Voters says the special election could cost Fresno taxpayers up to $1.3 million. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Let's turn to education and dollars. A state lawmaker wants to change how schools are funded. He says the proposal will lead to an additional $3 billion a year for school districts. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño reports. State Senator Anthony Portentino's SB 830 would fund schools based on how many students are enrolled instead of how many show up for class and would guarantee no district receives less funding under the new system. Portentino says the state budget surplus creates an opportunity to act. We know that the pandemic has had longstanding impacts on student achievement and mental health. We want to make sure that as we come out of it, 
And as the state has the resources, we're going to invest it in our most precious resource, which is the young people, our children, our neighbors' children, and children across the state of California. California is one of only six states that rely on average daily attendance, or ADA, rather than enrollment to determine funding. California School Employees Association President Shane Dishman says that disadvantages schools in lower-income communities where absenteeism rates tend to be higher. The truth is, attendance-based funding punishes students in schools that most need the state's financial support. Tying funding to attendance has been touted as a way to hold schools accountable for absenteeism. To address those concerns, this legislation would require schools to spend at least half the additional funding to address student absences. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. A judge in San Francisco has signaled he may be willing to extend Pacific Gas and Electric's federal court probation beyond its scheduled end later this month. KQED's Dan Brecky reports. U.S. District Judge William Alsop oversees PG&E's probation for a 2016 conviction connected to the San Bruno gas pipeline disaster. Alsop has used the five-year term of probation to try to force the utility to improve the safety of its electrical network, even as PG&E power lines have continued to ignite one devastating fire after another. Alsop expressed frustration with that record during a probation hearing yesterday. He told federal prosecutors he'd be willing to consider extending the probation if they ask him to do so. PG&E has argued that federal law bars the judge from adding on to its sentence, but prosecutors say the law on the question is unclear. They told Alsop yesterday they will advise him later this week on how they'll proceed. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Over 24,000 residents in Nevada, Placer, and El Dorado counties are still without power more than a week after massive snowstorms pounded the region. With more, here's KQED's Chloe Veltman. According to PG&E, the outage has affected around 375,000 customers across their entire service area, many of whom have been snowed in without access to light, communications and heat. Longtime Grass Valley resident Brian Terhorst is a wheelchair user who uses a ventilator to breathe. He's been through power outages before, but this one has been different. One, because I wasn't able to leave the property, and two, because it was cold. So, yeah, it's it's high stress. A spokesperson for the Nevada County Sheriff's Office says all county-maintained roads are now open to at least one lane of traffic. For the California Report, I'm Chloe Veltzman. And finally, the tributes are still pouring in after actress Betty White died last week at the age of 99. Pink's Hot Dogs in Hollywood this week will be selling their so-called Betty White Naked Hot Dog. 100% of the proceeds from their sale will go to the L.A. Zoo, according to the restaurant's owner, Richard Pink. She was a big supporter of the L.A. Zoo, and we so admired that. And Betty was a good customer at Pink's, and we so appreciated that. And Pink told KCRW in Santa Monica that she liked her hot dog simple, and that's where the name came from. 
Whenever I asked her, well, what do you want on it? She says, I don't want anything on it. I just want beef in a bun. That's it. That's how I like it. I said, great. And then she would say to me, and you can tell everyone that Betty White gets naked at Pink's. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, January 4th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. In regional news, from the Union newspaper of Grass Valley, all five Nevada County supervisors have submitted rebuttals to an attempt to recall them, terming the effort false, misleading, and a waste of taxpayer dollars. On December 20th, advocates for the recall filed the necessary paperwork to begin the process, citing such reasons as excessive government and failing to remove the public health officer. Supervisors had until December 28th to file their responses. Recall proponents have 120 days from December 28th to gather enough signatures to hold the recall. The rebuttals generally called the information in the recall petitions false, misleading, and ignorant of how county government functions. District 3 Supervisor Dan Miller wrote in his rebuttal, This recall is an emotional response and desperate effort by a fringe minority who did not get their way. Their allegations lack credibility and do not withstand the test of truth. Caltrans is alerting motorists to expect intermittent one-way traffic control on several Sierra highways for emergency tree removal operations through the month of March. Numerous trees throughout the Sierra have fallen on state highways are at risk of falling due to heavy snow, saturated ground, and continued high wind gusts. Caltrans has initiated a $3 million emergency tree removal contract with Terrell Resources of Truckee to assist with tree removal operations and cleanup. Motorists should anticipate intermittent one-way traffic control on the following highways. State Route 20 between Grass Valley and Interstate 80. State Route 49 between Labar Meadows Road and McKnight Way in Grass Valley. State Route 49 between Nevada City and State Route 89 in Sierra County. State Route 174 between State Route 20 Separation and Greenhorn Access Road. State Route 193 between Cool and Placerville in El Dorado County. Turning to our regional weather, rain will taper off tonight with partly cloudy skies and warmer temperatures Wednesday and Thursday. A weak system is expected to bring light precipitation Friday into early Saturday. Snow levels look to be fairly high, above 5,500 feet, with 4 to 8 inches of snow possible. The foothills could receive half an inch to an inch of rain, with valley precipitation amounts of less than a quarter of an inch. Tonight in Nevada City and Grass Valley, a few showers with overcast skies overnight, with a low of 44 degrees. Wednesday in Nevada City and Grass Valley, cloudy skies early in the day, followed by partial clearing with a high in the mid-50s and a low in the mid-40s. Tonight in Truckee, overcast with a low of 31. Wednesday in Truckee, mostly cloudy with a high of 42 and a low of 22. In Sacramento tonight, cloudy with a low of 48. Wednesday in Sacramento, cloudy early with partial sunshine later in the day. Highs in the mid-50s and lows in the mid-40s.
Starting today, Nevada County is accepting the public's opinions on the proposed reopening of the Idaho-Maryland mine. Coming up next, KVMR's Felton Pruitt talks to Matt Kelly of the County Planning Department about how you can make your voice heard on this controversial project. We're talking with Matt Kelly. He's a senior planner with Nevada County's Planning Department. This week was the beginning of the 60-day review period for the Idaho-Maryland Mine Project, which will end on March 4th of this year. Uh, Public comment is now available. Let's talk a little bit about that, Matt. Thanks, Fulton. Yeah, so we've released the notice of availability starting today, and we're within the 60-day public comment period for the draft Idaho-Maryland Mine Project. Typically, CIPCO does require typically a 45-day public comment period. It does allow for up to a 60-day, so we've uh, done that and done a 60-day public comment period. It does go from January 4th today and ends on March 4th of this year. We will also be having a special planning commission meeting with the planning commission on February 23rd of this year, beginning at 930. Proposed to be right now in the Board of Supervisors chambers. That could change due to the COVID pandemic um, as well. And so the notice of availability includes that. The agenda will include uh, when that's made available, if the meeting will be in person or if the uh, meeting would be over Zoom and the commission would participate remotely. That meeting will be set up to receive verbal public comments on the proposed project. There's there's no action being taken by the planning commission at that meeting. It's just a public comment meeting. And so comments do need to be submitted outside of that meeting to be submitted in writing. They can be submitted either email or hard copy directly to me. So they can be mailed to uh, myself, which is Matt Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, and sent to the Nevada County Planning Department, 950 Maidu Avenue, Suite 170, Nevada City, California, 95959. Or you can email them to me. We do have a special email that's been set up for this project. It's idaho.mmeir at co.nevada.ca.us. So you can either hard copy mail or drop them off here at the planning department or email them, uh, whichever you'd like to do. All right. Well, let's give people a little background on what we're actually talking about here. There's a project proposed by a company called Rise Grass Valley, I believe, although they had another name initially, and they want to uh, reopen the Idaho-Maryland mine. And there are a number of community members that are opposed to this action. That is correct. Proposed project would reinitiate underground mining and gold mineralization of the existing Idaho Maryland mine. The applicant has indicated that uh, it would take approximately 80 years for that process to be completed. They are proposing to operate uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week during full operations. There would be limitations on times that they can do that and the mitigation measures uh, throughout the draft EIR. Do talk about that. They would reoperate the existing uh, underground Idaho, Maryland mine gold mine, and it's proposed to place tailings at the two sites. One's called the Brunswick site, uh, which is the existing site off of Brunswick Road, which is where the existing mine uh, is now. And then the Centennial site, which is off of Centennial Drive, would be the other uh, tailings depository area where the applicant proposes to deposit tailings. Uh, The other is that tailings would also be redeposited uh, underground um, in what's called a paste backfill process, which they would be redeposited back underground within the, the new tunnels and existing tunnels that make up the underground mine workings. Thank you so much for all the information. Uh, give the address if people want to make comments once again. Comments can be submitted to the Nevada County Planning Department, 
950 Maidu Avenue, Suite 170, Nevada City, California, 95959. More that can be emailed to idaho.mmeir. It's I-D-A-H-O dot M-M-E-I-R at C-O dot Nevada dot C-A dot U-S. And then the draft EIR is available for public review on the county's website. Um, We also have placed copies um, at all of the county public libraries as well throughout the county. There are hard copies available for for the public to review. Uh, We also have hard copies available here at the planning department for public review as well. Um, Then, of course, it's available online uh, in digital format, too. Excellent information. Thank you very much. You're welcome. No problem at all. That's Matt Kelly from the Nevada County's Planning Department. Up next, an update from PG&E via their spokesperson, Megan McFarland. I'm speaking with Megan McFarland. She's the spokesperson for PG&E for the Sierra Division. That's the division that we are currently in. It encompasses El Dorado County, Nevada County, Placer County, and parts of Sierra County. Good evening, Megan. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. I understand you have some updates for us regarding power restoration. I do. I do. So as of three this afternoon, PG&E crews and contractors have essentially completed all of our assessments in the Sierra Division. So assessment means that crews have looked at the equipment. They know what happened, what needs to be done. Um, This can be things like replacing a pole or transformer. So assessments allow us to create estimated times of restoration. Um, And this, when we create an ETOR, it accounts for the amount of damage, the equipment, the materials needed to make repairs, how many resources we have, even things like hours of daylight. Um, So based on what we found, we started sharing these estimated times of restorations with customers. So we are committing to an estimated time of restoration of Tuesday, January 11th. Many customers will be restored sooner, but Tuesday, January 11th is is what we are um, we are seeing as you know sort of the light at the end of the tunnel. So to repeat, of the nineteen thousand that don't have power currently, some will get their power on before then. But it sounds like the best estimate for everybody to receive power is January eleventh. Is that accurate? Yes, that's accurate. And many customers will be before that, but uh, it will it, it could go out as far as January eleventh. All right. So January eleventh is when everybody gets their power. Megan, I really do appreciate your time. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? I, I just want to share, like, we, our crews are out there in the field. We are hearing from customers. We know that they're frustrated. We know that it is an incredible hardship to be without power, um, especially, you know, since the, the, the storms were last week. And I just want people to know, like, how hard our crews are working. And, you know, our men and women live and work in these communities, and we're totally committed to restoration. We, we want the power back on for our customers. Great. Megan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was Megan McFarland, PG&E spokesperson for the Sierra region, which includes Nevada County, Placer County, El Dorado County, and parts of Sierra County. Are you feeling a little worn out as we head into 2022, as if your resilience meter is getting dangerously low? On today's edition of Money Matters, Mark Cunaberti says the economy might be headed for its breaking point due to the policies of the past two years. 
Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. The year 2020 set historical precedent as to the economic damage to the world economies due to the policies enacted in response to the COVID-19 outbreaks. This time last year, we had high hopes that the year 2021 would be so much better than 2020. It was not to be, however. Slow on the uptake once the vaccines were finally available, the virus had no such plans of going away quietly into the night. It adapted into multiple variants that are still raging to this day. In fact, the month of December of this year witnessed the highest number of COVID cases ever recorded. So much for the shutdowns, mass, social distancing, and all the other policies enacted in an attempt to stave off the spread. COVID is spreading faster than ever. We should consider it being a microscopic virus that has one goal in its tiny little life, which is to reproduce and survive on a molecular level. It will probably be with us forever, no matter what we do, my opinion, of course. Since the beginning, I have advocated against economic shutdowns because, quite simply, I have always maintained this virus couldn't be stopped no matter what was done. Some might argue looking back over the last 24 months or so, my claim may have been correct. Some would say the reason the virus persists is the lack of masks and vaccinations by the total population. However, to assume that everyone on the planet would have masked up and accept vaccinations would be akin to claiming we could stop illegitimate births by asking everyone to stop having intimate relations. That certainly would be an unrealistic expectation and an impossible possible goal, and obviously our policy responses to COVID may have been just as futile. That said, 2021 saw both economic improvement and continuing damage as well. It can be safely said we are nowhere near out of the woods, and a return to normalcy seems farther away now than it did last New Year's Day. As we learn just how pernicious the COVID virus is, it may not be going away anytime soon, if at all. It is in this analyst's opinion that to inflict further economic damage by implementing more of the same policies that fail to curtail the spread of COVID since its beginning may be pushing the economy closer to a breaking point. Fortunately, capitalistic economies are the most resilient of all when it comes to their ability to continue to operate despite the repeated blows to its mechanisms. Specifically, I'm talking about shutdowns, crowd throttling, travel restrictions, and all the other mandates and regulations implemented because of COVID. At some point, some may argue there is only so much damage a system can endure before it reaches critical mass. Just think back to the excesses of 08 and 09 and the global banking implosion that caused. Others, including the powers that be, claim the economy just needs additional help while implementing more methodologies to try and halt COVID once and for all, which they say will lead to a complete reopening of the world's economies and subsequently a full recovery. No one can predict just how much the systems of the world can take as it relates to more economic beatdowns through egregious policy responses to the COVID pandemic, but one thing is for certain, I for one don't want to find the limits, because if we find them, it means we will already have exceeded them. If that day arrives, what happens next in the world economies is anyone's guess. That does it for today's Money Matters. The views and opinions contained herein are those of myself and not necessarily reflect those of this news media, its staff, members, or underwriters, and is not meant as investment advice nor solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. And I hold California insurance license OL34249 and I'm a Medicare agent approved in the state of California. Thanks for listening. My name's Mark Cunaberti. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's Educationally Speaking. 
The subject tonight is the Nevada City School District's Bicycle Recycle Project. Both Scott W. Lay and Kimberly Ewing chat with its founder, Steve Davis, and the current bike program teacher, Ben Preston. At 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Are you between the ages of 15 and 18 and interested in being paid to make radio? Apply to be part of KVMR's Youth News Corps. Learn radio journalism skills such as storytelling, sound mixing, interviewing, and radio production. And complete your very own radio series. You'll work with professional journalists and build confidence in a fun, supportive, and hands-on environment. No previous experience is necessary. The Youth News Corps is open to Nevada County folks between the ages of 15 and 18. The application deadline is February 5th. For more information, visit kvmr.org under the Future of Journalism link. This is Joyce Miller signing off.